0: Welcome back to The Francisca Show, a part of JewishCoffeeHouse.com, and the show in which people share their stories. This is the Survivor Special, where survivors of physical, sexual, and emotional abuse come forward to share their experiences and thereby raising awareness and preventing the likelihood of it happening again. No further research has been done into these stories. This episode is intended for mature audiences and listener discretion is advised. Names have been changed to provide some privacy to our dear guests sharing their vulnerable and personal experiences. I am Francisca, and you are listening to the No More Silence segment on The Francisca Show. Hey everyone, thanks so much for coming back and listening to this segment. Just before we start, I'd like to make a few announcements. If you would like to share your story on the No More Silence segment, please do reach out to me. My email is franciskakay at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me through my website, which is franciscamusic.com. I'd also like to mention an affiliate relationship we have with ModMath, which is a teeth straightening company. It is owned by Jews and so much cheaper than Invisalign. So if you have been thinking about straightening your teeth, I would definitely call them for some more information and make sure to mention the Francisca show podcast or just Francisca to get a free $50 valued whitening kit when you do sign up with them. And then after that, make sure to tell me that you call them so I can hook you up with a free gift. This is a way you can support the Francisca show and get something done that you've always wanted to do. I will link to them in the show notes. You can also check them out on Facebook and Instagram or mod-mouth.com. Did I mention that I just did it and I'm super thrilled that I did it? Anyway, definitely check them out. And here's your show. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for coming back and listening to this podcast and to this segment on the the No More Silence segment on the Francisca Show. Today with us, we have Bailey, who will be sharing her story and Her story is unique in terms of this is our first story on this podcast about domestic violence, domestic abuse, and it's such an important topic because, yes, with all the challenges that happen with sexual abuse, it's like a clear no-no or when people figure out if after they have gone through that trauma as a child, it's a clear no-no with domestic abuse. It's so... It's such a gray area for victims and survivors to understand what's happening. So we have Bailey here who has generously agreed to come and share her story to bring awareness to the topic of domestic abuse and how serious this is and how you can either be someone who is instrumental in somebody else's life or in your own life. And it starts by just recognizing and being aware of the signs. So welcome to the show, Bailey. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So let's go ahead and tell us where the story began.
1: Okay. Um, I grew up in a very Orthodox home. I met my husband at my ex-husband when I was 20 years old. I was friends with his sister. We dated between dating and getting uh, engaged and married was a little bit more than a year. He was very good looking. He didn't have much at the time. He's very smart. He wasn't so religious, but he became religious during our... He grew up in a religious home, but was not religious himself at the time, but then became very religious over time. And my family took him in. His family was a very dysfunctional family, but my family accepted him as one of their own. And I totally, truly fell in love with this man. We were seven and a half years apart and got married. I was naive, young. I was living in bliss. The first time there was a red flag, which, of course, to me was he had a very bad temper. And that's how I just viewed it as a temper. It was probably about three or four months into our marriage that he went crazy on me. I don't even remember exactly what it was. He then left the home and my parents came, packed me up and took me back home. Going backwards now with all the knowledge that I have, when you are controlled and manipulated and in love by a narcissistic abuser, they have you. I, I, I look back and I think I was hand chosen. I was so naive. If you would have said narcissist, I would have had no idea what you're talking about. Of course, that night he managed to, you know, woo me back home and continued on living our life. It took us a while to have kids. It was a very up and down uh, mood swing. I always walked on eggshells throughout our marriage. We had our child, our first son, about two and a half years into our marriage. He became very religious. He grew a beard, everything, the whole works. He loved our child more than anything. He was a great father. He was a great husband. He had, like I said, a very bad temper. And that's that's what I saw. I didn't see behind, I didn't understand the behind the scenes. His relationship with his family was not existent at that point. And I lived blissfully until 21, 22 months later, we had our second son. And again, I lived in bliss. We moved out of New York to upstate New York and lived our life. I worked with him. Um, I had been going to school. I wanted to be a social worker. It was like my dream from childhood. Of course, he talked me out of it and I went into business with him. After the fact, I look back and I realized he wanted to control me. He didn't want me to have my independence. And I worked out of the house, so I always had the kids with me. He gave me a, as as good a life as possible, and I gave him a lot of freedom. He was not home a lot. I would have never in a million years thought to myself that this man led a double life. He was As good a a husband as he could be, he was an amazing father, yet he was living a double life. And when I mean a double life, he was cheating on me, and I had no idea. Again, he did have a very bad temper, and he was not embarrassed or shamed to behave that way in public. So when we had family over, he had no shame in berating me. Later on, after it was over, my family would tell me, we saw things and we were scared to tell you because you were so infatuated with him and so in love with him. You would never have believed us. I think that most people saw things that I just could not see. And I think that a lot of that's for most women in 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 a domestic abuse at that point, it was verbal, mental, emotional, manipulated, controlled. It was not physical at that point. It was violent. He would get angry and throw things. And I remember telling him when my oldest was about three or four years old, you know, you're setting the example for this child. He is gonna you are his role model. Is this how you want him to to grow up? And it just he just couldn't control himself. He just he got angry, he went. Berserk. I thought on the outside we were like the super couple. You know, he was a good looking guy. I would always try and look my best. We had gorgeous children. Little did I know that people knew he was not normal or or that there was something not right with him. I did lose a lot of friends along the way. People started separating themselves from me. So I lived very in a bubble, very secure in my own little world. And I was content. Um, I made a life for myself and I was very content. I had help with the kids. I would work out. I worked. You would think I had the perfect life. There was a period of time where in my gut, I felt this man was cheating on me. And there was even sort of proof. I was so controlled and manipulated that he was able to make me believe that it was not him and make me feel like I was crazy for believing that it was him. And that's called gaslighting, by the way, in in the terms of domestic violence or domestic abuse, where they manage to turn what they're doing onto you and make you feel like you're crazy. There were times he would accuse me of cheating, which I never did. I was faithful for 21 years to this man. But that's how I lived my life. And then he desperately wanted to move out of state. It was his dream to move out of state. I finally agreed. I said, you know what? Let's have a fresh start. And I said, the only way I'm moving out of state is if we move to a community, which we did. We fit in. We look like the perfect couple. People didn't know us. And we started fresh. We had our third child four years after our second. Our marriage was not so great at the time but I got pregnant. Um, Again, he was an amazing father. He loved his boys. His connection with them was very much into sports. He would take them to every sport outing. He had season tickets for everything. He would help out at night, put them to bed. I mean, he was really good about that. When we moved out of state and we became a part of the community, there was a couple that moved nearby that knew my brother. And she would the wife would spread rumors about my ex. And he went berserk. I mean, he went crazy. And then it ended. They were quiet about it. And then it came to a point where, like, I would say five years before the end of our marriage, which was nine years ago, I would say. um, he became very religious again, he would he would actually go. Back and forth, in different stages. So he would be super religious, then not so, and then so. And I, I was raising my kids religious. They all went to yeshiva. I was very consist. I was a consistent one. He started learning. He had a chavrusah, He learned twice a week. He learned with the rabbi of the synagogue. We lived in a very, very big community, and we had our friends. The one thing I look back now on and I could say this from my entire marriage, was that anytime he felt threatened by my family or friends, he would try and alienate me from them. And that's another sign of abuse. I did not see it at the time, but I saw it when I, after the fact,
0: I was able to realize it. that was not okay. Could you give me an example of how he would do that? I'll give you a
1: perfect example. We
0: hosted people
1: all the time. Our house was always filled with guests. And one Passover, I had a table full of friends. And actually, his mom was even there. And he was sitting with my youngest. And they were talking about, you know, the the Seder and everything. And I was talking to my girlfriend. And she had her, she was divorced. She had her kids with her, they were older. And he looked at at us and he said, would you guys be quiet? He goes, um, I'm trying to do the Seder with my son. And that's what this is all about. You guys are free to leave. I, I mean, that was like one time out of the many, many, many times. Obviously, this girl and her kids never came back to her home. We stayed friends for a while, but. It diminished at some point, but there was a, a, a time when I, when before we moved, when we still lived in New York, I had my family there, my brother, his wife, his kids, um, other guests at at a Shabbos table, and he felt that I didn't give him the best piece of meat or something to that effect, and he literally flung it across the room. I mean, and I would just cover up for him. It, I would just like. I would make excuses, and again, that you know, later on, I learned that's another another way of women that are live in abusive marriages or relationships survive. We live in 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 denial, and I lived 20 years in denial, 21 years in denial. I would say that literally to the end, towards even to, towards the end, you know. It was so wishy-washy, my my marriage. I would my mother always used to uh, say it was Jekyll and uh, he was Jekyll and Mr Hyde. He he could be amazing, and he could be insane within 24 hours. You know he would help, wash the dishes, look, look like Mr amazing husband, and then he would just again berate me, put me down. Now, remember, my three boys witnessed all of this. You don't don't realize children take every, they're sponges. They take everything in. And I used to say to him, I said, um, when they were older, I used to say to him, you know, they're going to start treating me the same way you're treating me. And there was times when he did. They did. And he would, he would berate them for speaking to me that way. And I used to laugh at him. I'm like, you're yelling at them for talking to me that way when that's what that's what they're seeing? Anyway, where where my marriage really came to a halt was we celebrated 20 years of marriage at the end of 2015. And literally a, a month later, in middle of a Shabbos, he walked out, literally, his excuse was, I have terrible stomach pains. And the rabbi told me I can go, I'm can, i allowed to go to the hospital. He had gone to synagogue with the boys, came home in the middle. And his, and his gastro told him to go see his partner. That was what he told me. And he left. I said, OK, please be in touch. Let me know if everything's OK. After Shabbat, I called him. He said, I'm still in the hospital. They don't know what's wrong with me, blah, blah, blah. I said to him, okay, please keep me posted. He did have a lot of, it wasn't a shock because he had a lot of health issues. So, you know, he had had stomach issues before. So I wasn't shocked. It wasn't something new. But the fact that, I don't know, I I didn't even think anything of it until the, I think it was the next day in our business, he took care of certain things and I took care of certain things. And I believe that I had taken care of all the finances, which in the end was a blessing, but it was very difficult because he was a spender and never really cared about what he would spend and not think about you know, where that money needed to go. I had gone to check the bank account. I saw that on Shabbat, he had taken out a few hundred dollars. And that's when I started questioning him. And he said, oh, I needed it for my copay. I said, no, you didn't need it for your copay. They don't ask you for a copay when you come into the emergency room. And then I started being a little suspicious. That week, he did not come home. He blocked me on social media. And... Remember, we had just celebrated 20 years of marriage. I thought we were fine. You know, I would say the last couple of months prior, he had told me he's more in love with me than ever, and he loves me so much, and he couldn't live without me. And I was living, in again, just naive, fine. My kids, people were calling me. Um, that week that he was gone, that first week, and they said, "Is this a joke?" I said, "What are you talking about?" They said, "He is all over Facebook with the, with a woman." And I said, "Yeah, I'm sure it's a joke." And I said to my kids, "Show me what what's going on." And they showed me. I mean, they were at sports events that he promised my ch- one of my ch- my youngest he was going to take him. They were everywhere. This was between Christmas and New Year's, okay? That whole December. I was like just in shock and, in, and numb. I was like, what is this guy doing? One day during that period, he walked into the house and I said to him, I followed him into the bedroom and my middle son was home from school. He was on vacation. He was 17 at the time. I said to him, by the way, I shut off your bank card. You can't keep taking money out of the bank account, spending it on God knows what. That's our food. That's the food money. That's that rent money. He literally went insane. He snapped. He was trying to get my purse out of my hand so he could take my card. And he literally probably would have strangled me. He beat the crap out of me. If it would not have been for my child breaking down the bedroom door, I probably would have been dead because he was not, he was not physically there. He was in like, I even saw in his eyes, he was not there. It was, it was a stranger beating me and my son pulled him off of me. He ended up getting knocked in the face. He ran and called my son, my oldest in school who Ubered home and they called the police and I, Obviously my ex left and I made my son go to the synagogue and stay there. I was in total shock. When the police came, I said, I have nothing to say, but I do hold the right, I reserve the right if I decide to press charges at a different time. When my oldest came home, both kids were very angry at me for not pressing charges, for not having him arrested. I was just too shocked. This was the father of my kids. I did not understand what was going on with this man. When we did talk after this, um, I said to him, you have two weeks to get yourself help or I'm pressing charges. And I ended up pressing charges. This was the beginning of the hell. The rest of my marriage was nothing compared to the next two years of hell. Every time I tried to help him or to do something nice for him, he came back at me and he, he did, he did bad to me. He had So when I finally pressed charges, he decided he was going to get back at me. He had cut up his arms and I had, I did not know, obviously I had allowed him to come on a Saturday night, and spend the night with the boys and work on their relationship because they had not spoken to him since he beat me. And I had not realized he had cut up his arms and he wanted to show me who's boss. And I left the house. I had no idea where I was gonna go. I was driving around and I was lured, lured by the police back home. And I was arrested. I had no marks on me. I was five feet, a hundred pounds at the time. He was five, 10 and a half, 230 pounds. It was like a false arrest. And of course, he bailed me out the next day. That was the beginning of me realizing the, the system is broken and crooked. This man is very, very sick. He manipu. once he got back into the graces of my children, he manipulated them and tried to turn them against me. And that's the danger of. Domestic abuse, domestic violence, because the children are abused too. They're emotionally, mentally, sometimes phys- physically abused, and I, I had to go live with my parents. They didn't live very far away for safety, and he took over these kids. And even though I spent every night there and every you know continued my routine with them, he took control of everything and. Because I would not agree to take him back. I said, you know, I kept saying, you know, um, let's give it time. Let's give it time. Go get help. He would punish me in many different ways. And I'll tell you a few of the ways were, again, trying to turn the kids against me. He would bring women around the home. He had put together a separation agreement. And that was one of the things he was not, none of us were allowed to do. And he, he went against everything. My kids basically witnessed so much. <sighs> like if I'd come around and he was not in a, in a good place, he would follow me around the house if I was coming to collect stuff. My kids would literally, literally be a barrier between us. They They were so scared. Of what he would do to me, and I want to say two things, statistic-wise. One, domestic violence, domestic abuse, is one of the number one killers of women across the world. It's unbelievable how, in this day and age, it's so um, it's so common, yet so unspoken or un. I'll say this. I believe our authority don't have enough training, and I I could say this because of what I went through. They have they don't have enough training on domestic violence, on mental illness, um, and I know that that in where I live they're starting. In some states they have more, they have better laws. Some states they don't have laws really at all. During that period that I was living at my parents' home, I got myself into um, domestic violence. Group therapy, and I have to tell you that saved my life. I met women of all, from every walk of life, different stages of a, the situation, and I'll never forget when I the first day I walked in there, I said, "Well, my abuser is different than all of yours. He admits he's an abuser and he wants to get better." And a year and a half later, I said, "My abuser is just like yours." He's never going to change. He's never going to get better. I was very lucky to have met my therapist, and that's over four years ago, at this place. And she, I I still see her. Um, She has been with me through the entire time. For women out there, one of my messages and the reason why I do podcasts and I tell my story and I advocate, one of the things is that there is help in every state. There's there's help everywhere. I know that in the United States, 211 can direct people um, to different resources, but shelters usually have a lot of resources. I know New York is one of the best places as as far as they they have in the police department. They have their own domestic violence unit, which most states don't have. So they have trained police it's it's a very it, this it's a very scary situation because our judges are not trained you know they will hand over children to an abuser for custody i mean i'm lucky and i'll get to that that i didn't have to deal with that but getting back to statistics stuff it it has been studied that the the brain of children because the Children's brain, boys' brains do not develop fully till they're between 24 and 27. So if they have witnessed abuse, they consider them living in a war zone. Their brains have been studied to be that of a vet as if they were actually in war. And when you think about it, it's like, it's mind boggling. My kids literally went through war. And I could say that affected health. My middle son has cancer for the fourth time. He has a a form of thyroid cancer that will never go away. Um, He's amazing. He deals with it amazing. He's away at, he's out of the country in school for the second year. I mean, I have to constantly bring him. He has to constantly be checked, but he is my, he amazing. He keeps, his strength is, keeps my, me, keeps my strength. My oldest son, who is 22, had at that time, he was 18, 19, he had a mental breakdown. And so at the the same time of one kid being diagnosed with cancer, one was in treatment. And till I found the right place for him. And again, it was not an easy thing. But that's where I started advocating uh, mental health. And I'm an insurance broker. So I was fighting with the insurance companies on my LinkedIn. I was tagging them. And these are the insurance companies I represent. And I was saying, save my child's life. This is where I met my support on LinkedIn. And I met the most amazing people who I still am close with today. And they are still my biggest support system. Um, I met authors, I mean, tremendous amazing people who have been through a lot of mental health issues and advocate for it now. I am now also part of a adult survivor, a national adult survivor for child abuse, a support group. They're all over the world. I actually host a podcast once a week for them. We brought in trauma, domestic abuse, domestic violence. They're amazing people. Getting back to the children, they went through a horrific, you know, they went through having a father that they were very close to. To a man that finally they realized this man is, he's not okay. And we're not okay with what he's doing to our mother. This is not okay. This this is, you can't behave that way. And they decided they wanted nothing to do with him. Now he moved into the community for about nine months and he literally tortured me. He would stalk me, follow me text me i was literally scared to i was a runner and i used to go running at night and i wouldn't i was scared that he would have somebody drive up onto the road onto the sidewalk and 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 kill me and the cops would just it was like a joke it was like a, 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 it was they would come write a report add to the report he moved in with a woman who I'm actually friends with again now but Karma's a, you know what, and she got hers, she got it back, and was able to, she was big enough to be able to to say, I deserved it, and I'm sorry, please forgive me. But unfortunately, that was where the most damage was done, because it was right in the face of the community. It was so opened for everybody to see, and my kids were tortured, because he was six, literally around the corner, like we were almost back to back. So they would see him. So, you know, speaking about the effects it has on our children, you know, I was in a healthy place. I was getting the best help. I was working on getting them the best help. My oldest was, had gone into treatment and was getting great help. I had bought the insurance company, got him in the, into a program for five and a half months, which was unusual. He actually is the most healthiest. He got rid of all the toxic Unfortunately, my middle son went away to school to finish high school, never really dealt with it. So he had what to do with his father on his on and off. And he was the one that got sick. My youngest, who was daddy's baby, basically became very angry, very, very angry, affected him at school and everything. And he's gotten tremendous amount of help now and he has dealt with the pain and hurt and they've they've all chosen to cut him out my divorce finally came through i got custody of him my ex did not show up he did go to jail finally not long enough but he did go to jail for stalking and harassment and threatening to kill me and then he when he got out he was on probation that was a deal i made that he would have to get mental. He'd have to be evaluated and get help. And he decided to leave the state on probation. And so he can't come back. There's a warrant, but, and I have a restraining order, which means nothing. I mean, I would say that that six or seven months ago, seven, eight months ago, I got a message on Facebook messenger. From someone who he had dated for a short time. And she said, I'm really sorry to bother you. I'm just very concerned for your life. You have to see your ex's Instagram page. And there's a post that it's really scary. And I had got on there through an account, somebody's account. This man was had a shrine, I would say. Over a year time since he had left from the state that I live in, he had not stopped. He had continued all over his Instagram account berating me. I mean, he there was a there was a restraining order. He should not have been mentioning my name. Nothing. I mean, of course, the police didn't do anything. He's not in the state; they don't care. Um, But he threatened my life, Um, and I said to myself, you know. I'm not going to live in fear anymore. I'm just going to continue living my life. I have to be strong for my children. You know, this has to end. He's moved on. I'm moving on. And that's it. And I lived in peace for a good full year. And, I'm, and I said, I'm going to continue living in peace. It comes to a point where you either allow this to control you and control your entire life, or... You choose to live your life and look at what happened to you you, and use it for good to help others. And that's where where, the point I'm at right now. I decided that I am going to go out there, share my story, help as many people as I can, which I have. I mean, I get messages all the time from people. You know, they want to talk or advice. And I'm not a therapist. You know, but I can give my experience. I have a girlfriend going through hell. I mean, um, I always thought I had the craziest story. She has the, she doesn't even have her kids and i I'm, I'm there for her. I, I t- every day I listen to her sometimes it's it's overwhelming, but I didn't have anybody. The last year that I was living in that community and had been living there a decade, and, again, I was very involved in the community. I I was involved in my son's school. I was invo- involved in the synagogue. I was We were close to the rabbi. At some point, I, I had to come to him and tell him what was going on. Obviously, he saw my ex's Facebook and was waiting for me to cu- reach out to him. And I, because I would just, that first year I lived in, like, um, I, I had a mask. I would get dressed up. Go out, nobody would know I had the bruises. i I, I totally lived ma- I put on mask my mask on. Um, the rabbi really was there for me and helped me a lot. Unfortunately, my neighbors, people I, I I was close with, people that I was involved with, little by little, disappeared. And that was very, very, very hurtful. And I used to always, and to this day i I, I always say to the rabbi, This is something you have to talk about. There are so many women living with domestic abuse and they don't even realize or they're too scared because it doesn't always turn out the way it turned out for me. I went through a horrific time. My children went through a horrific time, but we are a unit. I don't have to deal with him. I don't have to deal with my ex. He's gone. He's out of the picture. I'm lucky in that way. In other cases, people are scared because they have to they have to deal with court and they have to go and deal with time sharing and all that kind of stuff. And again, it's a very broken system, which is something I fight for all the time. I talk about it all the time.
0: You really have an incredible story. And I love all the things that you said that you've incorporated into your life to help support other people in, in this situation. I'd like to ask you as we wrap up, what would be like the few things people should watch out for or take as red flags or what could have been done differently or preventatively? Um, Something for family members to know about or somebody or someone in the situation or in a similar situation should be aware about, about what are the options? I know this is a loaded question, but if you could summarize this. What I have learned from my experience
1: and from a lot of my friends who went through divorces and horrific situations is that a narcissist sociopath or even a narcissist personality disorder, they can hide it so well. I was groomed. I was the perfect, perfect victim. I feel like I was hand chosen. And I, I believe he loved me or is obsessed with me because he couldn't let me go it's very very hard to answer your question directly because like i said men or or women cuz it goes both ways they are so good at hiding it a lot of research a lot of speaking to their friends and fam their people they're close with I could tell you one thing, and this is related to child abuse and trauma. Majority of men or women that have been abused as children or have had trauma in their life as children, and my ex did, I don't know if he was abused, sexually abused, but there definitely was trauma in his childhood that do not get the proper help, will grow up into being Narcissistic abusive men, and that's why there is so much. That's why there is so many men out there that are like this, because they don't get the proper help. So how do you, how do you go through a you know slew of men or women when you're dating and you want to get married? How do you choose? Like I said, there were many red flags you know it's it's very hard to to know because they're so good at at putting on that show i think that it's very important to find out about their childhood about how they were raised how they are with their families if they're close to their families that's that's huge i had a very close tight knit family who was a, very very supportive he didn't they felt terrible for me because they knew he was crazy and nobody said anything to me you know, like everybody, people knew things, but and they they said we we told you. I don't I did not remember. You know, when you fall in love and you're so young. I will. I what I can say it's it's very hard to to tell you beforehand what to look for. What I mean, because there could be they can hide so many things. To speak to as many people as possible that that are close to the person. What I w- will say in a marriage, if you are in an abusive marriage, get out. Don't stay for your children because you're not doing your children a favor because all you're doing is starting another cycle of abuse, of children growing up, with unless unless they get amazing. Once you get out, get them the best help so that they can lead normal, healthy, protective lives. And that that was my goal. That's what drove me once I was outside, once the marriage was over, that, that, that was my drive. So that might, because they're predisposed, you know, um, to so many of the, the mental illness part of parts of it. And you don't want them to start another cycle of abusive families. And that's always, that's my goal with my children. We talk about it all the time. They know it's wrong. It's taken a long time because we all triggered each other for so long. But it's they've come to, a, all my children have become to a point where they're very protective and loving of me. And they've become very, uh, much more respectful. They would, my little one says, mom, I would take a bullet for you. You know, he's 15. I mean, it's sad that a 15-year-old child has to say something like that. But he witnessed so much. But again, like to answer your question, it's so hard because one of the questions that I ask guys, I mean, not that I'm remarrying or dating or whatever, but if somebody is not married and they're in their 40s and they never were married or they don't have kids, why? If they're successful or why have you never gotten married? Why have you never, you know, you're so picky? Do you think you're so wonderful, and that nobody's good enough for you? I mean, it's very, very difficult to um, to really um, to answer that question because, like I said, yes, I was young and naive. More people are are not nowadays. Again, c- community is very, very important because any community starts bringing it out there talking about it i think so much more of it will will be exposed so many more men will be exposed so many more people will will be educated education. I always say education, education, education. And then p- once people are educated, I think on their own, they may spot signs, awareness, topics that are uncomfortable. We have to stop sweeping it under the rug. I mean, I commend JCW. You can't even imagine. I mean, I grew up in with with so many of those people because my father was a re- a, a teacher in one of the schools actually that's being named in a lot of the cases now so i grew up in that community i mean just like they're bringing it out in the open so to domestic violence has to be brought out in the open and spoken about and awareness and education and the signs we need professionals to come out and speak what what to look for like i i can't tell you because All the guys that I know that ended up this way were amazing at hiding it. So I I can't tell you the one connection is they all had traumatic or were abused as children. That's the one connection I could tell you did not get the help they needed. Other than that, it's awareness, education, community has to band together, stop sweeping uncomfortable topics under the rug. And for the women that are, are, are in these situations, do not stay for your children. You're not doing them a favor.
0: Wow. Thank you so much, Bailey. I feel like this was a long story. I know that you probably didn't go into half of the stories or details that could have been brought out. And it's so admirable that you're using your story to help other people and empower other people and to educate so thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being vulnerable.
1: Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And I appreciate you having me on your show and letting me share my story. And I hope that I reach at least one person. You know, they could reach out. Well, I guess they can't really reach out to me. They but can reach
0: out to me and then I could connect them with you.
1: Right, Yeah. right, right. I'm here for people. And I, you know, there's so many resources I can lead them to. In different states there is help
0: there is help thank you so so much if you would like to write in or request to be on the show please do so by emailing me at francisca at gmail.com that's f-r-a-n-c-i-s-k-a-k-a-y at gmail.com if you enjoyed this episode please do subscribe and go to itunes and leave us a good review with your review the show will rank higher and help others discover the show This Francisca Show podcast will be hosting a No More Silence special on abuse once a month. However, do check in on other weeks for the interviews with Jewish creatives. See you next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms?